It's go time. It's Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charbon along with Heath Graham and a special guest from the Turf District, Andrew Hoskins. Once a year, we discuss rules in football and we thought, why not now? The season is coming. The draft is just a few weeks away in the Canadian Football League. We know that it's not going to go anywhere because the decisions have been taken. But food for thought as you go through the season to think, how would these rules change the game? Guys, shall we begin? Absolutely. Let's do it. Here is my first proposal, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a long, long time. This applies to football, and this is half the distance. If you're inside, I believe it's in the CFL, if you're inside the 25 and the foul is greater than half the distance that you would be walking back towards your goal line, they'll mark it down at the 12 and a half. If you're in the 20, it'll be the 10, whatever the case may be. Get rid of it. You want to improve scoring. You want to create situations where offenses are in peril. Defenses can smell opportunity. Here's what I propose. Instead of worrying about half the distance, if you're going backwards towards your goal line, take the ball as far back as the two. So if you're, you have a holding penalty and you're at your 10, the ball goes back to the two. Same thing when you're going in. You get a pass interference call in the end zone, take it to the two. It's not an absolute They're scoring on the next play. They still have to earn it a bit, but it does eliminate this whole business of lengthening the field. That was actually one of my notes here as well, Don, so I'm glad you brought that one up. If it's a 15-yard penalty at the 50, it should be a 15-yard penalty at the 20. Uh, The the two-yard line is an interesting compromise, I guess. If they are penalized again, then you would move the ball to the one. Makes perfect sense to me. I, I never understood the half the distance. I think it's a ridiculous rule. So I'm all in favor of this one. I would be too. Absolutely. I'm I'm in with uh, not not cutting it in half because I, I think holding should be ten yards and never five. <laughs> so um, that's my, which is funny on the amount of times that my favorite team holds in the last few years. But still, I would. Uh, now, the one thing that you did say, though, if, is pass interference in the end zone, that would still go to the one. Or would you specifically say it always goes to the two? Any foul where the line of scrimmage was outside the two would stop at the two. And as he suggested, if you're at the two and there's a foul, then you go to the one. And then you can't go any further anyway. Mm, okay. I would... No, that's the only one that I would go, no, pass interference... You pass, you interfere in the end zone. It goes on the one like that to me is a, that, that, that one, they have the rule, right? (laughs) So I'm actually okay with the way that already lands, but all of the other ones, you're, you're holding your illegal contact, your, and those sounded like I'm sounding both on defensive side. I'm talking, if you're going backwards to your own and you do holding or you do uh, a legal procedure or whatever, Back to the two makes 100% or forward to the two makes 100% sense to me. And I think that would be a much easier way than having to go, okay, well, now this penalty is, you know, especially when like you were talking on, you're on the 20 yard line and the, the, um, the penalty is against the team 
going backwards and it's a misconduct penalty, well, that should be lining up on the five. (laughs) Like it should like none of this half distance stuff. It's you, you did, you did the crime, do the time, (laughs) put it, put it closer and let it happen. Well, it does. And I agree with you. It does diminish rough plays. Because that's a typical 15-yard foul. Well, if you're at your 15-yard line, you're only going to go to the 7.5 if you're going backwards or 7.5 if you're going forward. That should be a punishment. Take it to the 2. From the 17, the max you can get to is the 2. Fine. If you're at the 15, you go back to the 2. But none of this cutting it in half business. It has to have impact. And this this comes out of a conversation I had with Steve Daniel, and he mentioned about moving the kickoff back. And his thought was, you move the kickoff back, you kick it, the other team now starts maybe at the 40-45, but they go two and out, and they punt the ball back. Well, the team that kicked it off is now actually probably further back towards their goal line than when they had kicked it off. And he said it creates a different dynamic. And this is where I'm going to with all of this. If you get rid of half the distance, A, for the average fan, it makes a lot more sense because you watch the play and you see the ball move. And if it's a 15-yard foul, it moves 15. It is everywhere else on the field. Why not near the goal line? And the second thing is it creates peril. If you're going in and it's a 15-yard penalty, you're down at the two now. It's not seven and a half. It's not the 10, it's the two. And that makes a big difference for scoring. And then same thing at the other end. If you're backed up against your goal line, one of two choices, you punt it out, you take that dreaded safety, which I just hate, but you do create that problem for teams. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that idea. <laughs> Look at that. I didn't even battle you on the first one, Don. Like we were all prepared for it, but no, I'm I'm just straight up agreeing right to the start. Well, you fought over one yard. You fought over the two to the That's one. True. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. I, I had to find something. Come on now. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be right if I came on the show and didn't find a little something to be like, Meh, but that's okay. This applies to all of football. This isn't just the CFL thing. The NFL does it. College does it in the States. College does it in Canada. Junior does it in Canada. Let's simplify the universe in which we live and let's keep the field as close to 110 or 100 down south of the border as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Fair. I, that's a fair call. My first one is actually off field more to do with player retention. And that's something that we talked a little bit about in a previous episode. Players returning from U.S. opportunities, whether they're under contract or not, I believe they should be on the negotiation list of the team they were most recently with. So example of that last season, Drew DeJarle, formerly of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, had a couple of looks in the NFL, didn't work out. He is now an Ottawa Red Black. I have no problem with that, but I do think he should have gone to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers negotiation list. They have first opportunity, and then if they can't work out a deal, and other teams have an, a chance to work out a deal with Winnipeg to claim him off the, the neg list, uh, and then case in point as well, Nathan Rourke, if his NFL experience doesn't go as planned, it's likely he talks to the BC Lions first anyway, but I would like to see that solidified where they have that opportunity first, the rest of the teams afterwards. It's an interesting one. I, the CFL Players Association would never agree to it. That's the, that's the main, that would be the main sticking point. Just sidebar, that probably means you don't have Adam Big Hill either. 
because he would have had to sign back with <laughs> BC and, and is Winnipeg going to trade for that? Do you know what I mean? Like, so I get what you're saying and I like the idea of the player consistency, like, because I think that's one thing that we have all as fans clamored for in the last while is I want to get a Jersey and know that that guy, I can wear it for a few years with him still being on the team and not just, I find it funny. I'm actually drawn right now to who signed the three-year contract. That's the Jersey that I want. Cause at least I'm a little more likely to have that guy actually be on the team while I'm wearing the Jersey for a bit. So I, I get that side of it. I just think for with players careers being so could be very short and usually are very short. The mean is very short. I think the CFLPA would be a little higher on, well, we just need to give these guys the opportunity to get paid whoever's going to pay them. So if they, and you're right, a lot of them, they will talk to their original team first. That's where they have the experience. That's where they know the people. It makes sense for them. Um, but if they can't make the dollars and cents work, then it's then they're going to find another spot. So I, I don't mind the way it is right now, um, except for there are some guys who are still under contract and you see them go back to their original team or, or because that team released them without any bother, then they're able to come back, right? So I don't mind that that system the way it is at the moment. Players that go back to their teams without negotiation typically are in that window where they're still under contract. They are given an opportunity to go down to the States, see if they can land a job. If they don't get it in that season, then they're still under contract with the team. Nathan Rourke, for example, is technically under contract with the BC Lions, so they did release him to go to try his NFL opportunities out. The other part of this is, and I think this is what Heath was going to, he wasn't saying that you not necessarily would have to sign with that team, but that you maybe have an exclusive negotiation window of a couple of weeks or 10 days or whatever you want to call it, where that player first can talk to the team with whom they were last with. Almost like the way the the free agency window is now, where they get that exclusive opportunity. My, my, My question is, do you think that doesn't happen now? I mean, it's not official, sure, but my my guess is that like that's what happens, yeah. Or it's just like a free agency day, right? It's not like they're gonna. If you have a big name, much like when Big Hill came back, he came back as a free agent, and every team had a. And it wasn't like he said, "Oh, I'm coming back to the CFL and signed the same day." He did have you know offers to go through, and and then figured out where he was going to land and and that type of thing. So I wonder if that's kind of there unofficially. I mean, you can make it official, I guess, but but the part that I was more going on was the part where you said they would go onto their negotiation list and then you'd have to, you know, trade something to get them off that negotiation list. That would be the part that would be difficult for sure. I'm not saying it's not a logistical nightmare. It's just a, a player retention yeah. idea. <laughs> No, that's good. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with. Uh, not, I mean, like we said, player retention is great. Logistics, phew, ah, we all know that there's lots of those. Back to the Rourke situation. If the Lions do not release him to take this opportunity, he would have been under contract with the Lions for this season upcoming. Now, because he's going to be in the NFL through the season, the physical timeline of his contract in the CFL is going to run out, and if he 
comes back, say, in 2024, no other NFL team is interested, but he is now an FA. The Lions, for what it's worth, are in the same pot as everybody else. They have to chase after him. Absolutely. But they were also the ones that said, hey, this was a good thing for you, and we supported you by releasing you, right? So there's some good will there, right? If they had said, no, we're not releasing you, well, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> there'd be a lot of grumpiness. Fair enough. The other th- rule, and this is something that I've championed, maybe very unsuccessfully, obviously, uh, and this gets now to baseball of all things. I've wanted a hard and fast clock, return to play clock, if you want to call it that, where players tackled, you've got so many seconds to get that ball back into play. Right now, we have idolized this whole business of 20 seconds. You sit at a stadium, you get the stopwatch out, guy gets tackled, players disperse, referee checks that every substitution's been made, then he winds it up. You're 35 to 38 seconds before the next snap. I want a hard and fast 34. Six seconds faster than the NFL, if we want to keep that pace of play going. The 20-second rule only applies after timeouts and in the last three minutes of a half in a, in a game, and overtime if need be. Yeah, I remember us talking about this before, and I think I was onside. I don't remember. <laughs> but... I think that the time, one of the things that they did last year, one of the rules that they brought in was blowing in the play quicker. Now, I don't know. Did you guys notice that at all? Like uh, I did notice it in some games and not in others where it was, it was get the ball there and get things going a little bit faster. So I think I wanted to see how that played out before I actually made a choice, but I can't say I'd be upset by that. I, I would I don't know. I'd probably go with a more round number, 35. Like I know round is usually means even, but I would say 35, (laughs) but uh, you know, or even 30 and be like, okay, get on it. Like there's no messing around. Like um, just so that it's for that fan that doesn't watch and they're, they're trying to come to the game. They're like, why 34? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't it just 35? So something like that. I, I could definitely get behind and support. It's interesting that, as Don mentioned, people believe that it's much faster because of the 20-second clock. One key indicator that it's not is I end up PVRing a lot of games to play back and, and prepare for podcasts. And that 30-second skip button on your remote is a key indicator of how long it takes to get a playoff. Even a general five-yard run up the middle as soon as he's tackled and the whistle blows, you get that 30-second skip. And nine times out of ten, you're going to see the next snap. There's the odd occasion where it was a faster play. I miss it, have to back up. But the the 20-second clock is most of the time a myth. Having a, a standard one to get the playoff makes a lot of sense. And uh, whether it's 34, 35, I'm not going to argue the semantics. I know Andrew had to find something again see, here. that's what I so do. We go, we go one yard, we go one second, whatever the case is. But it, it would it would speed things up and, and really have a consistent flow to the game. I'll call back to Paul Woods, who did the same thing you do, Heath. Back in the 90s when he would watch games, he would move 30 seconds forward. 
he'd miss the snap. In the 2000s, not anymore. Reason why I bring up baseball, they've got the pitch clock. And if B, if baseball can bring in a hard and fast timing rule, the CFL is almost the last league left out there that doesn't have a timing condition attached to return to play in an absolute sense. The NFL has 40 seconds. Typically, I've noticed what they do is the player gets tackled, they, they allow them to get up, and then the 40 starts to count down. You could do the same thing in the CFL. They could unpile, then the 34 starts. If you need that extra second or two to make sure that nobody's tangled up or injured. But beyond that, let's do it. The, the point that was brought up is right. Too much of the timing is at the discretion of the head referee. And they've got enough on their plate. My question, and I think you answered this before, and I'm sorry, I just need to clarify. In the last three minutes of the game, you're still saying it's a 20-second? Yes. Okay, because that's the only thing, that's one of the things that drives me nuts about the NFL. And I, I, I like both leagues. I like watching both. It drives me nuts that there's a, it's a two-minute drill, what they call, but it's basically, yeah, I'm just going to wind the clock down. and Or, or they, they have two downs left and uh, a minute and a half on the board, and they're all walking off the field. It, it drives me bananas. I'm like, <laughs> there's time. And that's one of the things I love about the CFL game is in that last three minutes, so much can happen because then they don't mess around right? It's get to line and go, right? So that's the only thing I wouldn't want to lose in that. But I, otherwise, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. 20 seconds would apply after a timeout, after an injury. Right. And in the three minute drill, nothing changes in terms of that coming out of a TV timeout, whatever the case may be, because you're not wasting game clock to do it. Yeah. Uh, the NFL, I agree. If you don't have timeouts in the last two minutes, you're Hooped. Like what's the point? Like you, like they all just walk off the field. There's still time, on or the clock. you have to play sideline to sideline. Yeah, it's just, just yeah. I, anyway, I find that very boring. <laughs> it's a boring way to end the game. Like you even look at the way the Super Bowl ended. Th there was like nothing. Like they all the other team was at a timeout. So the winning team had the ball. They just like okay. Like there was still time on the clock when they were all celebrating. I'm like, well, this is that's. That part drives, yeah, I, and I understand that can happen to some degree in the CFL, but it doesn't it happen as often. It's definitely more, okay, We there's always a shot. You could turn the ball over. There's three downs. There's, you know, all those things. So it's uh, that that's the part that I just want to maintain. So I, I like that you add that part in as the consistency for after. And the one difference in the CFL and NFL is we have the snap at a zero game clock. Right. So, like you said, there's there's 38 seconds left in the NFL. They all start shaking hands because yeah. as soon as the clock hits zero, it's over. Right. Whereas we say it does if it hits zero, there's still a play. There's still a play left. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Anyway, I I, I look at that. I think I fu almost fully agreed with you on that one. Neat. Hey, write it down on the calendar. It does happen. It's fantastic. It's one I'm going to champion until the cows come home because I really think that this is long overdue. Yep, just make it happen. 35 seconds. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. 
<laughs> I did bring I did bring one. It's kind of it it again like Heath like yours. It's a bit off the field, and I know already that Don, you you agree with this one. I want them to take the XFL idea of the transparency of the review room out to the stadium or out to the production. It's one of the things that I just love is that it doesn't mean that I always agree with the call, but tell me how you got there because a lot lots of times where the ref will come back and say after review it is pass interference and everyone else is going where <laughs> like where did, where did you come up with that even if the answer is you know what we actually can't tell so we have to go with whatever the call is on the field i, I would be fine with that i i mean how many times did we have the color guys on TSN going, oh yeah, like that call's going to get overturned for sure. Like there definitely, this is the problem. And then the ref goes, comes out after review, the play on the field stands and everyone's standing there like, what just happened? So that's the part I, I would really like them to increase that transparency. And I think that would go a long way in understanding how those calls come to where they are. Even if you don't agree with it, at least you can kind of go, oh, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. It may even convince some home fans in the stadium that, yes, indeed, it was a penalty against their team. It may. I mean, that's a stretch, Heath. I mean, <laughs> because I don't know. I don't know about your team, but my team does no wrong. That's why, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, they should get no penalties. I don't, like, the refs should come to any Elks games with, with flags specifically just for the other team. I think that's how this is supposed to work, right? Uh, one one fun thing when the Riders and Bombers are playing and, and Andrew Prue is the head official is how do you figure that out when he hates both teams, according to the <laughs> He hates all teams equally. That's the that's the trick. Yeah. Just to bring up some ideas about this. One is we don't really hear what the officials are discussing prior to a penalty or a, an interpretation on the field. So you might think about transparency there or you may not. And then the booth itself, I guess some uh a camera and some wild audio, just have a mic somewhere where you could hear the conversation. My my concern a little bit is, is this becoming more of a production? Is it not giving them the freedom to, to think the way they want to when interpreting a review? What do you mean by that? Well, just because you're, now you're, you're being scrutinized by several hundred thousand people at once while you're discussing this. Yeah, but that's, that is part of the role. If, if, I mean, if you're a ref and you're doing a video review, my assumption is, is that you have to explain your call, whether it's to your colleague or to your boss or to all the fans It ha you have to be able to say, this is what my choice was. And then people may still not agree with you. It, it, that happens, right? There are a lot of these things that are judgment calls and there's a lot of these things that it's still, you have to slow it down so far <laughs> to get, the, to get, Oh, I have to get the right answer, right? Like there's still going to be some of that no matter what. So I don't, I don't know as a, um, in my, in my everyday life, I'm like, well, I would tell you 
that you needed this particular therapy or we need to make this choice or we needed to change this, whether you're sitting there or you and your entire family are sitting there or my boss is sitting beside me, I'm going to tell you this is what you need. So I, I don't think that it should make any difference whether or not it is a live production or not. If you make an, if you're making a call as a referee, you got to stand behind it no matter who's watching. Over time, it may actually start to breed more consistency in what is pass interference, 100%. what is holding, etc. You've got right now the discrepancy of each officiating crew making the, the calls on the field, which is fine. But once you start to open up the transparency of the review process, now all of a sudden, officiating group A made this call. It's discussed in the booth. They've decided to overturn that call. Now, officiating group B knows that this was what was overturned. And it really gets everybody involved in that transparency. Absolutely. And maybe breeds a bit more consistency, which is another thing that we've been We've also talked about that it doesn't make sense that that's a penalty in this game, but it isn't in another game and it looks awfully similar to me. Or it's a penalty in the first half, but in the fourth quarter, yeah, it's not. Well, now we're just talking hockey. Yeah, so a penalty in the first period, but in the third period, nah, nah, we can't call a penalty now. Why not? Yeah, oh, play, playoffs are on. Well, the, it's the, now a fair game. And the thing about hockey and doing that is that it always benefits the defense. So you're actually mitigate, or you're you're preventing scoring because you're allowing more defensive. Yeah, that you can get away with more. Yeah, and and we've we've seen it happen. I'm sure it happens in every sport. I'm not, I just picked hockey because that's the one I've most recently watched. For I'm like that is a that's the same call but not happening. Um, so yeah, consistency would be great. And and that was a lot of discrepancy in the Super Bowl game this past year as well with the holding penalty where people were screaming for let them play, but the let them play only benefits the defense. You're going to let them get away with that hold. Right. As opposed to letting the player get open. It's, it's a penalty throughout the game, regardless of when it is. Typically when the rule book is tossed aside, it benefits the defense. That's fair. And that takes away scoring. I think I'm writing saying this, that games are shot at about 60 frames per second. Yes. I believe so. In pass interference, just to further this point, in pass interference calls, you could almost frame mark 30 seconds, 30 frames, Mm -hmm. sorry, 30 frames. And if there's no contact prior to those final 30 frames before contact, then it's a half a second. Sorry, that's too close to call. That's not pass interference. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of that that we could get into as well. I, I still think... I don't know if they have one or not, but I still think they should have a timer in the um, review booth and it's whatever it is, a minute and a half, a minute, two minutes. And it's like, if you can't make, if you can't overturn the call in that one minute of time, then you know what? It just leave it and carry on because there's no way there's sometimes you have to, and this is actually, again, I'm going back to hockey, which I understand this is not a hockey podcast, but some of those offsides, like it's, it's by a blade of grass, but you wouldn't know unless you slowed it down so much that you are. And now does that actually take away from the game? I want the call to be right. Don't get me wrong, but it's, I think there should be a timer. And it's like, if you can't, 
you can't overturn in that time, then it stays with the call in the field and carry on. Don't uh, don't waste time trying to slow it down because we've seen some of these reviews that have lasted like three, four, five minutes, and like if you have to look at it that close, could you just go with the call and carry on? Like it's not worth it. They have a lot more access to a lot more views. Yep, with the CFL than we're even aware. There should be no reason to go beyond 90 seconds. If you haven't figured it out by then, it's getting too close to call. Unless you've completely ignored a view that clarified everything, right. you should be good to go with all of that. They get more views than TSN does, and TSN can show us in 45 seconds. <laughs> oh, here's the view we need to see. Oh, show that one again. Okay, yeah, that one actually. Do you know what I mean? Like, Or it's close enough, whatever. So, but I, yeah. I think you got to give the fact that the the refs on the field, there is a human factor. And I understand that that means that I could go a call against my team that I don't agree with. But it does mean that there's got to be just keep the game moving like you were talking about before, Don. I have one other on-field rule change, and it's something that already has changed a bit and I believe needs a little bit more tweaking. And that is the no yards penalties. So we saw last season, they eliminated the five yard, no yards if the ball's on the ground. Everything is 15. My thought is it's actually a bit too punitive when the ball bounces and should maybe be a a 10 yard penalty for ball on the ground, 15 yards for in the air infractions. Five yards was really benefiting the, the kicking team in that balls on the ground, just take your five yards, tackle the guy, move on. 10 yards is still a little bit of wiggle room there to your decision-making, but 15, it's not often a guy scoops a ball on the ground and goes for 15 yards. So why are we adding that much distance with the infractions? And 15 yards makes it tantamount to a roughing penalty. Oh, and I see, and I would argue that they are. Because <laughs> I think that's the whole, I think I think that was the whole idea of going them, making them all 15 is player safety. You have a guy that is outside that five-yard ring and the ball, let's say it's sitting on the ground, okay? And that guy tries to time it up. So as the guy is picking the ball up off the ground, he is plastering him, right? That is a player safety issue. So although I wouldn't be adverse, uh, averse, not adverse, averse, to them making it 10 yards for both, like on the ground or off. I like the idea that it's consistent. I do like that because, again, for a new fan, it's not like, well, why was this one 5 and this one 10 or this one 10 and this one 15? Like, let's, you know, just, again, consistency is key. I would like it to be this is what the penalty is, right? And this is what it is. So if it, if it's 10 for both or if it's 15 for both, whatever, I, I don't care. But I think it, it's a matter of the player safety inside that five yards. And so that way then if they are inside the five, then it you're right, it is kind of like a, a roughing penalty, right? So I I can see the reason they did it. Maybe like you said though, Heath, maybe it is a touch punitive when you're not likely to run 15 yards when it's bouncing off the ground. But then maybe we make it 10 right across the board and then it's fair. I like 10. 
and here's the other thought to expand on what you're talking about with the player that's timing it up and mistimes it. You could call the punt returner a defenseless player. And if somebody unloads on him, that's 15 more you've just generated for that team. Right. And there is another, and make it clear that this is not tolerated. Yeah. Have it in the rules kit that goes out to all the teams. We're cutting it down to 10, but if you go in there with a full head of steam and hit this guy just as he touches the ball, that's 15 more or maybe a DQ. Possible. That would be make, it would make it a little more of a judgment call, do you think? For sure. Right. So I wonder if that might be a little... But then if, if I know this as I'm coming down the field, that I better pull up. Or at least, or at least not, not lead with your helmet. Right. Yeah. Like if you're ta- if you're if it's a clean tackle, great. But don't yeah you, they could or they add in the what do they call it? They call it spearing still. Yes. Where they use the helmet? Yeah. Like don't add that in. So does that? I don't know. What do What do you think, Keith? Am I way out to lunch on that? No, I, I certainly appreciate your your player safety concern and that's something that we all talk about a lot with with some of the penalties and and protecting the star players so i I can appreciate that but on the other side we've seen situations where a punter kind of shanks the punt all of a sudden right the uh your downfield tacklers get into that no yard zone at really no fault of their own and now we're penalizing 15 yards on a on a flubbed 30 yard punt and it's it's causing too much advantage to the receiving team. Yeah, well, don't don't blow it when you kick it. It's not a problem. <laughs> from a from a guy who has not had a, a seen his team return a, a, a anything for many 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 years, like ten or fifteen is great. Can we get any any yards to to open from not? Kicking, starting from inside the shadows of our own goalposts, I'm quite happy with that. But um, maybe that's just my own bias showing. But I, I do think it, I, I really do think it was brought in as a player safety thing. You were spoiled in the past having the guy that used to return everything. Correct. So now you're being punished for it's it. Exactly. Yeah, we're punished for many, many years. Oh my goodness! Just somebody, somebody. Anyway, we'll see. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Should I do a should I call it now? It's going to happen this year. We're going to get a return touchdown. Okay. For the home win. That's my that's my bold well, prediction for this year. Yeah. The well, the home win is going to happen for sure. That's not a bold win. That's not a bold <laughs> one this year, but getting a return touchdown, that is a bold prediction, let me tell you. <laughs> Here's a nuance of the rule that I don't think many people are aware, but if their ball is deflected as in a partially blocked punt and it goes over the line of scrimmage, only a five-yard foul if you're inside the zone. Interesting. I didn't know that. I think we saw that a couple of times last year because then all of a sudden you're questioning, well, why why is it only five yards when they should all be 15? Okay. Okay. Do you think that's good to leave it that way? Or do you think... Yeah. Or, or do you think it's like, well, the, he tapped it. It's a live ball. It's a jailbreak. The ball is barely making it over the line there are a lot of humanity there's a lot of humanity floating around it's it's i don't think you can police that very easily so i i kind of like the idea of of the five yard for that fair enough okay just curious any thought on point afters we've seen the kicks move way back 
to cut down accuracy, although the kickers now have caught up to it again. Would you want to make it more of a prisoner's dilemma? Right now, two-point conversions are very, very short porch attempts. Would you maybe, this could be crazy, move the two-point convert out a little bit further and bring the one-point convert in just a little bit so that when it gets down to critical times in the game and maybe a two-point puts you on a better sequence but a one-point gets you that seventh and keeps you going, that it's more of a prisoner's dilemma. Uh, go ahead, Heath. Well, uh, Andrew mentioned he's he's a, a fan of a team that can't return a kick for a touchdown. I'm a fan of a team that can't seem to kick a single point convert. So <laughs> Fair. I, I, would, I would like to see the two-point convert be more attractive. And I know moving the, the one point back a little bit has benefited that a little bit. I would maybe consider moving the the single point in five yards closer, but I wouldn't touch where the two-point convert comes from. Statistically, if you, after every touchdown, go for two, you're way ahead. Statistically, yes, but that that's okay, actually. I, I have no problem with that because we still have teams that are not doing it every time. Um, and that... We talk about increasing scoring, like those plays make a difference. Like it's not always just hand the ball off and run it in. A lot of those two point converts are short passes or the, the, the fade into the corner. Right. So I actually like the way it is right now. Whereas a, uh, a single point is not a guarantee. It's a high percentage. Don't get me wrong. And the, the two point from the two, two, Right. Or from the three, three, like that's not a gimme either. Like I, 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 I like the fact that they're ne- neither of them are automatic. I would say actually the thirty, the the kick is probably more likely now than the two point. <laughs> but again, like you said, Don, if it's if you law of averages, if you're going for the two every time, you're probably going to end up with the same as you would as if you had guaranteed one every time. So. I don't know. I, I like it. The I like those ones the way it is, but I, I I have a different one for whenever we're done this conversation. Now that we've mentioned this, as I thought of something else. So, going from the three is far enough back that it's not just a quarterback sneak Correct. or a, a run up the middle, and it allows the offense to really work their full offense. They can they can spread the field and use the full advantage of those twenty yard end zones, which are a wrinkle that makes the CFL exciting as it is. I'd just like to see it move back to the five. That's as far as I would go, just to make it a little bit tougher. Right now, the run rate for uh, convert two-point convert attempts is about 60 to 65%. I think if we moved it back to the five, we already have coaches that don't do it at the two or three. Like, it would just never happen. I think if you moved it back to the five, I think there'd be coaches be like, well, forget it. Just go for the one and let it be done. Like, cause the, f- the five is even less of a guarantee of getting something than it is on the three. But shouldn't it be a 50, 50 proposition? Is it not right now? It's above 50. You get more often than not, you will make the two point convert. It's uh, as I was saying, it's 60 to 65% success rate. Okay. But 60, 40 is not that bad. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I think if you put it to the five, coaches would be like, forget it. Not don't no, don't ever go for two unless we need it. Like we'd never see it. 
but does it, I, I know people say, well, it helps with scoring, but really a point makes a difference. I, I think if you're trying to create more scoring, it's touchdowns. I think I think every point makes a difference. Yeah, and yeah. and so Don, I know you're a fan of the Rouge. So if you're saying one point, what difference does it make? Are you are you scrapping the Rouge oh, now? Don't go there. Oh well, well, I'm about to because that was my that was <laughs> no, I'm not going about scrapping the Rouge. Don't get me wrong, but what I would like to see is that if you just kick it straight through the end zone, that that's not a, it has to be a playable ball so if you field goal it and you miss and it flies out the back nope no point but if you field goal it and it lands in the end like it misses but it lands in the end zone somewhere and the guy can't get the return out of the end zone then the point is awarded i think the i think the team that gives up the point has to have the ability to at least try and prevent the point that's my there's another one that i have but I've said that one for a number of years. I will argue that they had two opportunities. One, don't let them close enough to even try the field goal. That's and fair. two, when they try the field goal, block the kick. Okay, but but what what is the – it's the same thing like um, – so if they kick it off and it bounces through the end zone, do they get the point? No. Right. Time isn't in yet. Right. It's not in until it's touched. Why should they – get it when they when you kick a field goal time it, is in but it but it just flies through the end zone too bad <laughs> you don't like the result ask yourself how what you got there what do you feel heath <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering you just talked about i'm wondering it. why why you hate boris bd so much i don't i don't i just <laughs> think it's i i just i would like the other team to have a shot at playing it is all that's all i did like uh, the one they've got 20 yards of end zone if the kicker has the leg to get it through tough on you but from, but from the seven like of course they have well the, if he's missing the from the that. seven then you've got bigger problems than the single it does happen it happens so well, i know paul so, mccallum yeah. missed a short field goal in but a you west just said a point doesn't playoff. matter so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said in overall scoring, if you're trying to create more scoring, a single point isn't going to rock your boat too much. Touchdowns right. are where it's at. But right. in terms of, I didn't say that every point scored doesn't matter. They all <laughs> count. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Then what does it matter if you just, if, 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 it, if they kick it, now let's say they kick it from the 20. Okay. So... That would be a 40-yard kick to go out the back, right? We all know they can do it because they they kick field goals from the 40 and 50-yard line, right? But if you miss on the 20 and it sails the 40, you're, you're given the point. Because the defense allowed... The, and probably you're looking for employment. The, the defense allowed the team to get the ball to the 20 and it's it's still an offensive play. You're looking for employment. Heath, what do you feel about that? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. They're, bringing some, they're actually bringing some competition into camp this year, which is a good sign. I'm stirring up crap. Anyway, I, I just, I like the idea that they have, a, they have to play it, but I'm not, like, it's not the end of the world for me. I like the Rouge. I think the Rouge should be in it. I just think it could be tweaked a small tad. Well, you're just, thinking about poor Chris bring Rainey, bring who got Mike caught out a couple can, times. What's that? 
You're thinking about poor Chris Rainey who got caught out. Yeah, that, well, that was one for step sure. Step back instead he, of stepping forward. He caught it, thought he, and stepped back. Correct. But he did have an opportunity to play it. It didn't sail through the end zone. Yeah, no, he, and, but he blew it. Right? But but again, his choice was either catch it and try to make the play, and he stepped back and, and gave up the point, right? Or just have it sail over his head and he gives up the point anyway. That's what I'm getting at. Like in that particular scenario. He knows what the consequence is if he doesn't make if, the play. If he tried to make the play and it didn't work out. But that's but it's a point either way. So? But, but it's not a point if he knocks it down and runs it out. <laughs> Nobody has control of that ball as it goes out. I'm not saying that if you if you punt it, if you punt it from, say, the 40 or whatever, and it and it goes out of the but on the 15 or 20 yard line there is a skill that you should be able to hit the field goal if you miss then you get the, the and and the other guy doesn't get a chance to have any control of the ball it just sails out oh i know i know i'm i know i'm fighting a losing battle with you don i'm just i'm i'm just saying that i i only i don't want it away i just want it tweaked that's all but Heath, you, I, I'm not trying to to pick on you at the same time. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we can spend ten minutes on the rouge? It tells you how great this game is that we're fighting over a nuance of the game. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I would take the kicking game in the CFL over the NFL any day. Oh, me too, hundred percent. The touchbacks are one of the most boring things to, to see. Oh, the so. way they start their game. Why they bother anymore? I don't even know why they kick off. Why even bother? Why If you're not going to, like, if if you know that 90% of the time you're just going to, the other team's going to start at the 25, just have them start at 25. Like, forget it. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Everybody is so pumped and they see that ball go up in the air and then everybody sits down. Like, woo. Like, no excitement at all. Don't knock the stuffing. I, I understand the NFL's concern is a lot of injuries happen during kick returns. I get it. But they punt still. Mm-hmm. And then put the halo rule in. Yes. Or if the kickers are that great. Or make on, everything a fair catch. You can't return it. That's right. Or every, uh, which is also boring. But if you have if you have kickers that are good, then maybe you have to kick off from your own goal line. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, just to... I mean, those kickers for kickoffs can pound it 80 yards. Well, okay. Then the other team is getting it on their 20 and away they go. Like for me, to me, that to me, that just takes all the excitement out of the game. It's like, why even bother watching the start? Exactly. It knocks the stuffing right out of it. Yeah. It, it really does knock the stuffing out of Flip the Flip the coin. Whoever wins the coin toss, start at your own 20. Go. <laughs> it's like, it's like in baseball, if you... The first batter comes up and they point to first base. We're not throwing to you. <laughs> this was fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, we don't need any of that. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for being uh, putting up with me. You know, disagreeing with a whole bunch of things. I did agree with some, though. I think I think we did find some common ground today. If there's no disagreement, then there isn't much engagement. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> fair it's this is the the fun part of of doing something like this is we get to share ideas and 
sometimes we uh, we see the folly of an of a suggestion as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Andrew of the Turf District, where can people find and follow you? Well, you can find us everywhere on the socials at the Turf District, and uh, also you can use that same tag and find us on YouTube where all of our shows are recorded live. Uh, usually on a Tuesday night, uh, you can join us in the chats for lots of fun conversation. Uh, we are back on April the 18th. Um, and then we will be back at the beginning of May and going back weekly because then we get back to training camp and the season. We're not far away, gentlemen, which is very exciting. Uh, but yeah, follow us uh, at the Turf District and uh, let us know what you think. Andrew Hoskins, Heath Graham, thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.